Welcome to the latest edition of Reflections from WT, the heart and the soul of the Texas Panhandle. I'm your host, Randy Ray, and I'm joined by number 11. Since uh, West Texas A&M University, which first started out as West Texas Normal College and West Texas State University, we've had 11 presidents, and we have the 11th one with us today, Dr. Walter Wim. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Randy, and I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I I wanted to start off by commending you on helping us navigate through the waters of the crazy year we've had. And I think we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think we are too. I just hope it's not a train <laughs> coming. <laughs> you know, you've heard that story before. I uh, Well, first of all, uh, I don't deserve any thanks. We've got a tremendous group of uh, faculty and staff and leaders of every type on the campus. And uh, you know, I believe in leadership ladders. And uh, I think the campus has done a remarkable job. Even the students and student leadership through student government, I think, have been very responsive to trying to think through uh, the ways that uh, we can best serve our students and the extended community of the Panhandle. So I'm very proud of it. We've done, I think, a remarkable job. Yeah, I've been really proud of the students. I have not had a single issue in the classroom with any of the students with masks or any of that kind of thing. I th- so I think we've all pulled together and worked as a team. To I agree. I agree, Randy. And there was a lot of concern about what happens if a student refuses to put a mask on and so on. There was a little bit of that, but very little. Um, uh, and, and some incidents around campus, but very, very little. I think most people are very responsive. Dr. Windler, uh, we do, we work with you on creating a, a video blog. Uh, and, and we shot that yesterday. And one of the things you talked about in your video blog was an article that you're writing with the chancellor. Or is a series of articles. Series of articles. Yeah. Yeah. What is that all about? Well, it's about um, how um, regional universities uh, contribute uh, to uh, Texans and to the state of Texas. You know, uh, nationally on a statewide basis, uh, we tend to look at the big universities, the big name institutions. Uh, uh, and the leaders of those institutions, and and think about those as you know, in a sense, the prototypes of universities. Well, that may be true, um, but for example, um, Joseph uh, A. Hill at uh, WT was not WT when he started as president in 1918. Led so he was the first one. No, second cousins. Second. Cousins was first, and he replaced cousins and came from a very varied. Uh, he had a lot of different life experiences, but came here to teach history. Uh, and uh, a few years, I can't tell you exactly how many years after he started as a faculty member, cousins retired uh, or resigned, uh, and I don't know the circumstance of that. Not important, but uh, Hill was there at the door, and he was appointed by the board to uh, take over. Uh, and lead WT, and lead as he did uh, through the end of uh, the greatest war at the time and a depression, and then the great war. Mm -hmm. And then, um, as I think about it, through the the, uh, birth pains of a social revolution, even though he left in 48, in my mind, that was the beginning of the 60s. It's only 12 years from the 60s, right? So, you know, he had a he had a range of experience that's uh, nearly remarkable. And through all that, uh, I think, was a tremendous leader um, mm-hmm. and in so many ways. So I'm sorry, Randy, you asked me about uh, these articles. That's what we're writing about. We're writing about how regional universities impact uh uh, the state, the, the region, yeah, and the region, and uh, we, you know, they make a contribution. It's not just the 
stadiums that have, um, excuse me, the campuses that have stadiums that seat, uh, you know, 100,000 people, important though they may be, um, we're important too. Well, I, I, I agree with you and how this university has impacted the region. And we, we, we say uh, that West Texas A&M is the heart and the soul of the Texas Panhandle. But I want to talk about the heart and the soul of West Texas A&M University today, and that is the library. Don't you think, don't you think the library is the heart and the soul of the, of the campus? Yeah, I really do. And I'm not just saying that because there's two librarians here <laughs> they, and they've actually got me outnumbered. But I, uh, I really, I do believe that actually. Uh, it's about, it's, uh, it, it used to be about books. Now maybe it's more about internet access, but it's still about things of learning. I mean, it's- Things uh, of learning, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and the, uh, the uh, intellectual resources that help people become something that they want to be that they're not whether it's a teacher or a chemist or an architect in mm-hmm. my case, or um, a communications person in yours, uh, the library is the storehouse of those tools. With internet access, things have changed a little bit, and but the libraries are changing. But that doesn't change the fact that I still consider them to be. And um, I've referred to them in, you know, I've been writing these pieces that we just talked about I've got almost 600 of them on my website now. I've been writing them since 2007. And one of the first ones I wrote was on the power of the library. Uh, in this case, it was the- uh, Well, you, and I, you and I talked about it yesterday, how much the, both of us dislike the library. I yeah, just like yeah. the feeling of a library. Yeah, I, I like going and just, uh, I, could, I could spend all day in a library. I can still smell the library at Berkeley. The, it was oiled wood, you know, wood floors. You could, I yeah. could hear people creak, kind of creaking across the floor yeah. to get from the card catalog, which nobody even knows what it is anymore, to the stacks. You know, I could feel that and hear it and smell it. And it's so much part of my experience. And I, I spent a pretty good bit of time in the library, much less now. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned to you, somebody recently, but uh, Tom Friedman's book on uh, the, the World is Flat, which came out in about two. 2004 or five, something like that, maybe three. Um, he bragged that he, and, and it was in a way to be um, illustrative. He wrote the whole book, very heavily referenced, and never went in the library. He did it all on the internet. He also talked about the fact that the whole time that he traveled while he was writing that book, he never made a reservation by uh, seeing someone in person or calling on the phone. He did it all on the internet. Yeah. Whether that's true or an exaggeration, I don't know. And by the way, this is the, almost 20 years ago when the, things weren't as powerful and as robust as they are today. We'll hear from the librarians about what they think about this. But, it, and it, you know, there is access to so much insight on the internet. And the question for me, um, you know, what does a library become um, because of this? You know, how does it change? And I see some things going on over there that make me believe that uh, our library is resilient and uh, reflective of changing times. Oh, I agree. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk to a couple of ladies that can answer a lot of our questions. Yes, about sir. What direction the library is going. We'll be back in 60 seconds. West Texas A&M University is proud to call the Texas Panhandle home and providing the top 26 counties with opportunity and qualified graduates is an important WT mission. From their first experience on campus to graduation day, the WT experience is a challenging series of steps that will embolden our students to reach their full potential and then in turn, go out into the Panhandle and make a difference. 
Quality education with a big local return is one thing you can find here at WT. For more information about West Texas A&M University, visit our website at wtamu.edu. West Texas A&M University is a student body that learns by doing and is always seeking opportunity. Talented and accomplished faculty that teach both in and out of the classroom. Programs that provide timeless information and meet the challenges of today's world. Facilities rich in technology as well as WT history. Now is the time to strengthen connections and open doors for tomorrow's leaders. Share your experience, share your heritage, share your pride. Well, welcome back to Reflections from WT. Uh, Dr. Wendler and I mentioned how we believe that the heart of the campus is the library, and we have a couple of guests with us today that help it beat. So I want to welcome Shana Whithar and Sydney Johnston. Ladies, good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I want to get to something that's really exciting that we want to talk about in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk to, to both of you about something that we talked about. What, a li- what is a library to a campus these days? Is it, is it still about books? Is it a place where people study? What is it? Yeah, I'd say it's both. Um, you know, one thing about libraries is that libraries know change, you know, and so not only um, what we see as, as basically once the internet took off is just another format. And so if you think back through time and you look at libraries, they adapt to the formats. And so... Um, I think now, especially, we're dealing in multiple formats. You know, yeah. we have to yeah. to basically recognize that some students still like print, um, yeah. some prefer electronic. Don't, don't you? Wouldn't you say a library is just an information hub, mm-hmm. and we can get information from a lot of different ways? Well, and I think it's wonderful here on our campus that we are centrally located. Yeah, which, I do which too. Is, is perfect too. Yeah. Um, do, do you still find students go there? For reasons other than books, I mean, and internet, do they go there just to study? Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Do they go there to socialize? Yes. Well, pre-COVID, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, we really, uh, I'd say in the last several years, tried to create more group spaces because they want to work in groups. Um, as we start to kind of open back up again, and I mean, they come in now and use study rooms, but it's generally, you know, one person um, individual study room, but we're, we're looking at our space, knowing that the fall, um, we'll be opening back up a lot more, allowing more group work. And we're looking at other places that we can create these group study spaces. But I'd say the first floor of the library pre COVID was a very busy place. You know, we have a coffee shop. We had lots of events there in our atrium area. We have an art gallery. So a lot going on. Yeah. I I love it over there. Sydney, I'm going to ask you, have you always wanted to be a librarian? Yes, I would say so. I started working in a library when I was 14. Wow. And uh, I thought for a while I might uh, be a teacher, but my love is books and helping people find things. Yeah. I, do, you still, do you still like holding a book? I mean, the reason I ask that is I find myself reading more and more on my Kindle and my iPad these days, but there's still to me something special about holding a book. I would agree. I read a lot on a Kindle also, but uh, yes, there's there's a special something about a book. Dr. Windler, you're a reader. This is not our curveball, but do you have a favorite book? Yeah, uh, you know, 
I have a couple of favorite books. Uh, and this one is going to seem self-serving, but I have uh, just been taken recently with a text of um, speeches uh, by Joseph Hill that I've been reviewing called One Man's Faith. And the reason I like it is it integrates all aspects of this man's life into the leadership of the university. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid, uh, but I still have a lot to learn by looking at uh, what other university leaders say and have done and so on and so forth. So this one right now is very powerful mm -hmm. uh, to me uh, because I'm currently, you know, I read the Bible every day, every day for 30 minutes or so in the morning. Which uh, Dr. Hill did too. I yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very committed. That's true. Um, and I, you know, that's, I'm not, that's just me. That's what I do. It's how I start every day. I mean, I get up at four o'clock and that's the, well, the first thing I do is take a shower, but I'm not going to get into you know, a lot I, of detail. I, I recognize one four o'clock in the day and that's not the one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that is currently one of my favorite. Um, I'm reading it over and over again. Another one that I've read over and over again, I probably read it 10 times, is uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Mere Christianity. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that, one of my favorites. That, that, a very strong impact on me and my thinking about my faith life and so on. But there's a lot of books. I mean, I, you know, I, I like Ron Chernow and pretty much anything he writes. I, uh, you know, I've just been, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I do like to read. Yeah, I enjoy, I, I enjoy reading. I teach an introduction to mass communication, media communication class. And that's one of the things I have my students do is write a, an essay on their favorite book. Hmm. And I, I'm amazed at some of them struggle with that. Some of them struggle because they love so many and other ones struggle because they've, barely read in their lifetime. So mm. I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. So we have, you, you guys have some exciting news over there at the library. And uh, I was really thrilled to hear this for a number of reasons. Tell me about the big announcement. Yes. What, quite an announcement. Uh, last Thursday, uh, we announced a gift of 2.8 million to the Texas Poets Corner at Cornet Library. That was the gift of Dr. Jenny Lynn Porter Scott and her husband, Lawrence Scott. It was uh, an estate gift, and I think we're still trying to process it. As like I said, quite a gift. Yeah. A lot of things we're going to be able to do in the Poets' Corner. I, I want to say something about this gift because I think it highlights to me what's important about our library here at uh, WT, and that is that you know this will amplify the importance of one aspect of our special collections, and I really do believe that special collections are the future to these smaller libraries. We can't be everything to everybody. We need digital access to many, many things, but there are some things which they may be available uh, digitally, but we really want to have them online. And these are collections that have some uh, meaning and embody some aspect of WT. Uh, through uh, a particular author or genre of literature or study or something. And I'm really looking forward to a day 20 or 30 years from now. I'll be dead, but, but somebody, I'm still looking forward to the day when there's, uh, you know, um, a whole series of special collections uh, that really help define uh, WT through its history and also mm -hmm. what its future might be. And I think this Jenny Lynn Porter Scott uh, gift is that kind of gift. So it's, I just think it's remarkable. So, so in addition to um, some funding, she left part of, of her collection, right? That was kind of, kind of interesting too. Tell her, tell us about her collection. 
Well, she started giving to us in about 2000. So um, you know, the Poets' Corner itself was dedicated in 2003. Um, and I say started giving to us. That's when a lot of the books came in those, what, three years, probably between 2000 and 2003. But over the years, um, I would get phone calls and she'd basically say, I've got something coming your way. So um, you know, this gift is going to make it possible for us to continue to to purchase for the collection. But she was doing the purchasing prior. She passed away actually in June of last year. And, and the both of you knew her personally. Tell us a little bit about her. Oh, she wow. taught on campus for a number of years, didn't she? Two yeah, years. Two yeah, two years, nineteen fifty nine to nineteen sixty one. Um, and you know, and you think about two years. Did two years have that kind of impact as far as what she did? And, you know, it was when we, after conversations with her and looking through some of her papers and things, it was it was kindness. It was kindness of uh, former president James P. Cornett and his wife. Um, she was very close to her mother. Her mother lived here with her. Um, she was single, young woman at the time. Mother lived here. Mother passed away suddenly. And the Cornettes kind of took her in and supported her. And it was that kindness, I think, that all these years later. So you never know the difference you make. And she was a poet laureate of Texas. So what is it? I'm not, I don't even know what that means. Well, a poet laureate, generally, generally it's once a year, but it's up to the governor. It's a govern, governor appoints a poet laureate. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was actually poet laureate twice. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily every year. Like I said, it's up to the governor, but most times it is. I, I was looking at some of the collection that she gave. I think that's so, so cool. Like the first edition of the Scarlet Letter, stuff like that. And uh, the first edition of uh, Emily Dickinson's poems, uh, poem second series, a uh, collection of poems by Francis Scott Key. So just some really interesting old books that, that we're really privileged to have in our collection now. Yes, and art too. She oh, she gave us quite a bit of art. Yeah. Um, the Poets Corner actually the furnishings, the art, all the books, all our donations over the years since, like I said, about two thousand from Jenny Lynn Porter. So, so the gift from her estate is also going to endow some professorships. Yes. Uh, for our listeners that don't know, what is what is what does an endowed professorship mean, Doctor Wendler? Well, at WT, and this is typical at most state institutions, it is um, it 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 doesn't provide the funding for a state position. We provide that out of our budgets. But what the professorship does is create an endowment, basically, a, I'll say a savings account. It's not quite a savings account because the monies are invested, and then the earnings off of that corpus uh, that's in the in this investment are then uh, dedicated to the professor who holds the endowed position. And they are able to use those earnings to support their study or students or, you know, buy a computer, anything that contributes to their academic and intellectual life to benefit students. This is my uh, wording on what it is, uh, is a legitimate expense for those professors. But the point is it's green money. It's money that doesn't come with state uh, attachment to it. You know, we, we have some requirements and so on, but they're very modest and usually it's uh, very open. Yeah. I was excited about the three that got chosen, uh, Dr. Pat Tyree, which I really don't know, but a couple of other ones I really know. Well, uh, Dr. Marty Coleman, uh, and, uh, Dr. Mary Liz Brooks, Dr. Coleman and I, I taught a class together a few years ago and Dr. Brooks and I 
have taught a class together too. So I, I really thank a lot of them. And I, I was really excited to see those three chosen. Let me say, I'm talking more than I should. Let me just say one, add one thing to this that is really important to me. I'm, 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 I'm fairly pragmatic. I get it. I know that I'm a person that wants to get things done, likes to see progress and so on and so forth. And in some ways, maybe, maybe I'm drawn to disciplines, you know, like, like, well, I'm an architect, but, you know, engineering and kind of practice disciplines. One of the things about this gift that is so critically important to the whole organization is we neglect or forget Sybil B. Harrington College of Fine Arts at our peril. It is an incredibly important part, but it's not, you know, what we say about our uh, College of Ag and the food animal industry that it supports. We produce 30% of the beef that's consumed in America. Well, we produce nearly 100% of the humanities, if I may, that are consumed in the Texas panhandle. Mm -hmm. uh, and we never need to forget that. We need to always be mindful of the fact that this is a core, the critical thinking and those aspects of what you learn in, in history and English and philosophy and communications. Those things are critical to the rest of the campus. And anybody that doesn't think so is ignorant. Oh, I totally agree. And, ignorant. And, and I, I want to say big kudos to our dean, uh, Dr. Jessica Mallard. Yes. Does a great job yes. leading us. Yes. And to the library and the staff, you know, uh, Sean and Jenny, they, you know, they worked for years on, on uh, building this thing. Since 2000, you had no idea it would culminate in this. And in some ways, it's, you know, to me, this is the, the law of sowing and reaping at work. You know, you go to work every day and you do a little bit and you do a little bit. And one day you turn around a few decades later and something has happened that's bigger than you ever imagined it. You know, it's like a bumper crop mm -hmm. where you sow uh, uh, thoughtfulness and, and uh, kindness, a commitment to progress, uh, aspirational progress for the students and so on and so forth. And boom, all of a sudden, something like this happens. And I don't know how big, in, in some ways, I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say it. I don't know how big this gift is compared to other gifts to libraries uh, in the state of Texas, but my guess is it's a pretty significant gift for this year. That's an empirical question. We could answer it. As a matter of fact, we probably ought to, we probably ought to know. Just give me a bragging point. <laughs> Without doubt, it's going to make a big difference. It is going to make a huge difference in the lives of our students. And if, you know, uh, it's like being a teacher. If you don't want to do that, you're in the wrong place. We're all in the long, long, wrong line of work. Yeah. All right. Is everybody ready? I traditionally throw a curveball, and uh, this is my curveball today. I, I, I don't think I've asked this one before, but if I did, I'm going to ask it again. I'll act like it's new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask everyone, ladies, we'll start with you. What is your favorite sound? I hear silence right now, and that's not one of the favorite sounds. I'm, I'm hoping that we're after some. Um, favorite sound. I'll give you a minute to think about it. I was thinking about when I was going to ask you guys. What's this, yours? Let me ask you, yeah, I, smart guy. It's, it, <laughs> it probably, I'd say it's my, uh, my kids and my new grandson, laughter, I think. Nothing. I love hearing their laughter. And it usually involves me wearing a swimsuit, I think. But that and the sirens. Yeah, I don't know. I like hearing their laughter. So what's your what's your favorite sound? Do you have one? Well, you know, I I would say it's the uh the voice of Mary uh at times. Your wife, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just uh it's very uh, comforting to me to hear her voice. You know, some days I hear so much stuff all day long. 
lot of noise. I create mm-hmm. some of it. I go home and there's a softness and a sort of settledness in Mary's voice. Now, some days it's not always that way, but by and large, you know, it is a very restful and peaceful sound to me. Yeah. But I also really like the crack of a fast pitch on a wooden bat. Uh, I'm, you know, I just, that's a whole different thing. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Jana? I would say the violin. Really? Like, yeah. Um, now, I don't think everybody would say this about uh, enjoying their children playing music because, you know, we go through all those, those uh, periods early on. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, both of my children were violin players. So. Didn't he? I'm not trying to copy you, but I would also say laughter. Yeah. I think just the sound of people being happy and, uh, you know, sometimes it's a instantaneous laughter. Yeah. Just unexpected. I, I, I bet there's a sound that we'd all agree that we do love, and that's the sound of students across campus. Uh, when I, I, I Sometimes I will leave my office and I walk out across campus, and we have a beautiful campus, and just hearing the students enjoying being in a learning place i just i like that i, I really too. enjoy that by the way with sydney's observation i would have said laughter also i didn't want to be a copycat but i do i do enjoy hearing people uh laugh yeah especially after i tell a joke <laughs> that's the best kind <laughs> that's, of thing you know, when yeah, there's dead the silence thing. that's the sound yeah. that scares me all right well thank you for joining us for this edition of reflections from wt the heart and the soul of the texas panhandle we are looking forward to you joining us again next time. We'll see you then.